you find yourself walking down a dark and winding road. The rain picks up, a cold wind blows, chilling you to your bones. Looking for shelter, you see it. There in the distance, the great shell of a long, dead dragon turtle. Hurrying your pace, you see the sign, and stepping in, the warmth and music begins to fill your ears, and you've made it to the drunken dragon turtle. Inside, it is bustling, full of a menagerie of adventurers and villains. Behind the bar, the turtle bartender fills tankards and glasses at a lightning speed. From across the room, the house host, a halfling named Brandy, gives the nod to the elven bard. With piercing green eyes and blonde curls falling to her shoulders, she strums her ukulele as the tavern patrons join her for a song, and the host approaches you. Hey, back up! Back up! Back up! Havens! Hi! You there, adventurer! Sorry, we're, we're packed house tonight. Um, here, grab this, and, uh, oh, those plates, and, uh, oh, there is an open seat just over there. Go on! Don't be shy, they don't bite. Uh, hard. Uh. Hey, that's not a table! A newcomer. Oh, a stranger. Welcome. I'm Fish. <laughs> and I'm Matt. And this is the Drunken Dragon Turtle Podcast. There once was a man named Stellan Yancey who traveled o'er the sea. Searching for some golden brew to set the owls right free. But on the isle did start to crawl, he saw his trip set in. He threw the brew right o'er the side, and to home he did flee. Everyone, fill your glass with the finest air, we'll see if you dance. But if you drink the night away like me, the owls won't have a chance. The dragon turtle coupled up all the special brew. In his pursuit, Stellan Yancey found a channel straight and true. The turtle drunk off his ale, crashed into the aisle, and spinning home to share his tale, Stellan Nilsi flew. Fill your glass with the finest ale, and we'll see if you dance. But drink the night away like me, the owls won't have a chance. Our friend is a man named Stellan Nilsi who traveled o'er the sea. Mr. Yancey turned his ship to a bar for you and me. If his hill be true, it's best that you keep a watchful eye, for the dragon turtle might just catch you if you drink a Welcome back to our wonderful segment on dungeon crafting, and today we are talking with the expanded of the Lich, what we did to the Lich, and how we have created a dungeon, or at least a lair, a place for players to go into and encounter a Lich at a higher level, where we intend the Lich to be. Um, we have, I have at least flavored and messed with a few things, and we have also Matt on your right, end. where I've messed with a lot of the mechanics of the Lich and not just their spell slots and their spell list, but other things about the Lich to make them more of a threat to the party. And this also kind of comes into our different styles of DMing and, and where we put some of our DM focus initially when we're both building something so that way you, the, the listener, can see that there is no right way or wrong way to modify anything in the monster manual. We just want to make sure to show you the flaws in the system so that you can make an educated assessment for what you would like to do with your version. And if you don't want to change anything and you think the Lich is fine, that's absolutely fine. You're more than welcome to do that and use that Lich. These are just our personal grievances after our personal changes. study. Exactly. So, uh, shall we each take a d20 and figure out who goes first on what they're going to cover? I will grab the dice that I bought from a Kraken. One. 18. 10. <laughs> Mechanics first, I guess. All right. Okay. So, what did you do to the Lich? What have you done to this good boy? A good boy? That's not what a Lich is. So, the first thing I always do when I go to modify a monster is I actually go into the Dungeon Master's Guide. 
and I go to in chapter nine, there is a table about monster statistics by challenge rating. And it's a great way to look and get an idea of this is what in their belief in Wizards of the Coast belief, a monster at these levels should look like. And it has their CR, proficiency bonus, their armor class, hit points, everything you're going to need. And in doing so, you know, I look at, okay, the Lich is a CR 21 creature. So I'm going to look at the CR 21 block and see where I can change or modify things. So it should have a plus seven proficiency bonus, which the Lich already has. Should have an armor class in 19. The Lich has a 17, but we'll get into that a little bit with some of the other changes we made. Hit points, attack bonus, damage per round, save DC. And I'll match as much of that to that chart as I can. So I did end up raising the save DC of the Lich's abilities and spells. Well, it's already a 20, so I left it alone. Okay. I thought that it was like an 18 or something. Well, the layer actions were 18. Exactly. And Which I think fine. the legendary, I think the, the legendary action like spell and melee stuff. Yeah, Disrupt was... Life is an 18, Paralyzing yeah. Touch is an 18. So I changed all of those to 20s. Where they should have been. Where they should have been to begin with. The real hard part is the HP. Because a 400 to 450 HP Lich is weird once you start factoring in resistances and immunities. So what I did is, okay, most of your damage is going to come from magic weapons. Magical axes, swords, bows, maybe a spellcaster. But if you are a spellcaster, it's very easy for you to fight against spellcasters and spells. So I gave the Lich 215 hit points, AC 17. But I also gave him resistance to all magical bludgeoning, slashing, piercing damage. Ah. So effectively, against the most common damage types you're going to be facing as a Lich, you have 430 hit points. Okay. It's not a true 430 because if anyone throws fire or, you know, lightning, acid, damage, poison. Well, lightning, he's already resistant to lightning. But if anyone throws like radiant damage or something like that, you are, you know, you take the full brunt of that. You don't resist that. Okay. But for the main types of damage you're going to be dealing with, you are resistant. You effectively have twice as many hit points. So you basically just gave it resistance to magical items because it in itself is made of magic. So its exactly. magic isn't as heavily affected by the magic of like an enchanted pokey stick. Some of the other changes I made is I went into his spell list because the Lich does have a lot of defensive spells, which can be good, but you're a Lich. Go big, go home. First exactly. thing I did was rip apart the cantrips. The fact that it has Mage Hand, Prestigitation, and Ray of Frost, I didn't like, throw it away. Kept Ray of Frost, but then I added Firebolt and Shocking Grasp. Okay. First level spells, mostly fine. Detect magics, gotta go. Swap it for Mage Armor. And the way I'm going to be playing this Lich, or the way I would play a Lich, is the Lich knows the party's coming, and before the combat even starts, it's already cast Mage Armor on itself. Well, how would the Mage Armor help it if its armor class is already so high? Well, Mage Armor... So the armor class is so high, oh, it's natural armor. It's not exactly from its decks. So then... I would then modify the Mage Armor spell to just give it plus two. Okay, so you would specifically, like, you'd make a different, ver like, spell for it. Kind of like, right, a, like, a, like a Shield of Faith. Like, it's casting a permanent Shield of Faith on itself. Like a no concentration required. Exactly. Other stuff I changed, I went to the fifth level spells, Scrying, which has probably already used that, knows the party's coming for it. Swap Scrying out for Wall of Force, because that's just funny. Yeah, I love uh, Wall of Force. It's a great spell. Uh, it's a great chess player spell. Ninth level spell slots. Power Word Kill. We went into last time about some of my grievances with Power Word Kill. I don't like it's a ninth level spell. I don't think it has a big enough range. It's kind of, you know, the giant FU button to one specific player. I changed it out for Meteor Swarm because the way I would use it is the party walks in, the Lich, you, you have initiative rolled before the party walks in. The party opens the door, Meteor Swarm is dropped on its head because the Lich knows they're there. Perfect. Kaboom. Kaboom. Bye-bye. No more party. I dropped a moon on you. Exactly. Other things I changed. Paralyzing touch. It's magic melee attack. Kept it five foot reach. Kept it as a plus 12 to hit. I changed the damage, so it's still cold damage, but now it's 8d6. Kept the same DC, you know, DC 20 con save or be paralyzed for a minute. But if you're going up against a CR 21 creature... 
8d6 you should be able to handle at that level that you are. It's only 28 damage average. Now the legendary actions. I got rid of Frightening Gaze. It's crap, it's not useful. You use it once. Frightening Gaze, uh, you know, Frightening Presence of a Dragon is better, more usable, more versatile. I changed Disrupt Life. Uh, I turned it into 10d6 instead of 6d6. And you regain half of all of the damage you do as hit points back. Ooh, that's nice. That's nice. And instead of it being a three cost, it's a two cost. Ooh, okay. But I also added more legendary action points. So now the Lich has five. Five legendary actions. A bold move. Go on. Because I threw out the cantrip legendary action for a different one. What did you do? Spell sling. You can throw a spell per the level of how many legendary action points you spend to it. Spend all five legendary action points into it. You throw a fifth level spell. Spend four, fourth level, three, third level. And okay. then cantrips and first level spells are both one cost. Okay, I like that. I genuinely like that. Because now the Lich can actually do the thing it's supposed to, which is sling some f***ing spells. Oh, yeah. You've made it not only durable, but you have made it harder to hit with a custom shield of faith. You have given it the capability of wall of forcing, so you could literally put someone in a hamster ball and be like, bye-bye. Exactly. Um, You've given him meteor, meteor Swarm, so he can instantly... Oh, with this, you could Wall of Force around the Lich and then Meteor Swarm on top of it. Exactly. Wall of Force legendary action with all five charges because they can't do anything as long as you're in there unless they have like things that require sight. And at that point... How are the Lich's saves again? Uh, I left the Lich's saves alone. The only save that a Lich is not great at is its dexterity save because it only has a plus three naturally mm -hmm. but con save plus 10 in save plus 12 wisdom save plus nine right now that comes into the the wall of force spell specific wording because it does have specific wording nothing can physically pass through the wall it is immune to all damage and can't be dispelled by dispelled magic a disintegrate spell destroys the wall instantly so if the party were to throw a disintegrate spell, they would have to be willing to throw disintegrate at it, which is, if I'm using this wonderful app, which you can get for free, called D&D Spellbook 5e, disintegrate is a six-level spell. So they are going to waste a six-level spell to destroy the wall of force to get at you. Now, it's weak at dexterity saving throws and strength saving throws, so there are very little spells that require strength as a saving throw. Yeah. Unless it's, like, holding it in place. Like Bigsby's Hand, I can think of. Any of the snare-style spells I can think of. But beyond that, not really. So you would have to summon something inside the Wall of Force to get it, the Lich, or you'd have to cast a spell that does not require passing through the wall physically. So say like fireball, let's see fireball because a lich does not resist fire damage and it's no, not immune to fire damage. Nope. So a bright streak flashes from your pointing finger. Wall of force makes- Locks fireball. Locks fireball because it is a point that flashes from your fingertip and goes and hits the target. Mm -hmm. So wall of force, great spell and also very like utilitarian for the lich. I like that. Yeah. Good call. Yeah, so those are the mechanical changes I made for the Lich. Usually when I'm designing a dungeon, I worry about the mechanical changes and mechanics first, and then I'll go back through and figure out how I want to skin the dungeon. And that's when I'll go, okay, what is the thought process behind the Lich? What is the abilities of the Lich? What does the Lich want to do? And how does the Lich want to go about doing that? Do we want to go into what I changed? Or do you have anything yes, else? Yes, no, that's all I've changed. Let's go into what you did. So what I did with just the changes, I'm not going, well, I'll have to touch on the flavoring I did for this guy because that influences specifically what changes I made. Because when I'm looking at a creature, I specifically go with a flavor in mind. Do I want this guy to have a reason to be wielding so much fire magic? Was he a pyromancer in his original life? Okay, if he's a pyromancer, why would that affect his spells and how would that affect his abilities and things along those lines? So what I came up with was the Resurrectionist. Okay. He was a wizard who spent his life working on the cross between necromancy and dunamancy. Dunamancy was created by Matthew Mercer 
and for his campaign too, but it is now usable through an actual Wizards of the Coast sponsored D&D book, Explorer's Guide to Wildmount, where you can find Dunamancy spells. Dunamancy encompasses time magic. It's chronergy. It's the, the use of affecting time. So how he's looking at this is he wants to basically find through the, the mixing of life magic, necromancy, because necromancy is truly the manipulation of life essence and dunamancy time. So life and time, he's finding the mix of the two. Mm-hmm. So through that, he has changed very little aside from spells so far. The spells I changed specifically with the cantrips. I was going more with the idea of if he wants to attack with a cantrip, he only needs one cantrip to attack with. Shocking grasp. Shocking grasp, mm-hmm. he gets right up in the face, grabs, and shocks for a whole lot of damage because the lich can move around. It has teleportation spells. It has the capability of bouncing where it needs to, especially when it has a friend or two in the area to take care of it. Lich rarely ever fights alone. And especially if it's got someone right up in its face, it's not going to focus on the wizard in the back. It's going to look at the barbarian in front of it and say, I'm going to use a legendary action to zap you for 4d8 or 4d10, however much Shocking Grasp is. Which which is Shocking Grasp. I need to talk about, I need to know what I'm talking about in this. D8. So 4d8 lightning damage on a hit. It will hit because it's plus 12. Unless the Barbarian has super high armor class, or the Fighter has super high armor class, which is possible, the Shocking Grasp will hit. The other ones I did specifically are saving throws. Specifically from the mechanical standpoint of players like to roll dice. Yeah. So I used Toll the Dead thematically. So Toll the Dead normally will only deal a D8 worth of necrotic damage. However, if they are already damaged, which most likely they will be after dealing through this dungeon to get to the Lich, if they have even one point of damage, the spell goes from a D8 to a D12. You now have a cantrip that can deal 4D12 damage on a failed wisdom saving throw, which with the Lich's spell save is a 20. So you need to make a wisdom save of 20 or higher or take 4d12 necrotic damage. There are no races that give you immunity to necrotic. There is the Asimar that gives you resistance to necrotic. But still, resistance to 4d12 of damage. That is at maximum 48 damage from a cantrip. Mm Mm-hmm. So that gets reduced to 24 damage. And that's just a legendary action because he's not going to spend his real action casting a cantrip. Exactly. No. Why would you? The other two cantrips, because I gave him four because he's a wizard. Other two I gave were Thunderclap in case he was surrounded by a bunch of melees because then you can instantly damage all of them. And if they have any concentration like haste or something along those lines, because like Eldritch Knight or something, they now have to make a save for that on top of it. The final one I did was Sapping Sting. Sapping Stings from Explorer's Guide to Wildmount. It is a necromancy spell, and you sap the vitality of one creature you can see within range. The target mm-hmm. must succeed on a con saving throw, DC 20, for the Lich, or take 1d4 necrotic damage and fall prone. Okay, that's so, dangerous. 4d4 damage, not a whole lot, but... If you want to get away from a melee class and you've got them right in front of you, you have three legendary actions you can burn on making them make a constitution saving throw. If they're a barbarian, good luck. But it's still DC 20. Yeah. They will fall prone. They now have half movement. You can get away. This works as a legendary action to half their movement effectively because they're going to have to spend half their movement to get up. And as well, while they are prone... They can. They have disadvantage on attack rolls. So if you're getting away, their opportunity attacks. Disadvantage. Disadvantage. But if the lich were to say, make a melee attack with shocking grasp, it has advantage. That sets up this lich to be able, just with cantrips, to get away, deal AOE damage, or just dunk on someone. Exactly. And that's just the cantrips. The leveled spells I changed, Detect Thoughts, out. I changed that with Fortune's Favor. Now, Fortune's Favor is going to be done because it is a one-minute casting time. 
it's going to be done before the, the party arrives. One minute before the party arrives, or it happens before the party arrives. And I made sure this is on the spell list, because you need to remember to use this before the party enters. Or at least make a note. This is in Explorer's Guide to Wildmount. You impart latent luck to yourself or one willing creature you can see within range. When a chosen creature makes an attack roll, ability check, or saving throw before the spell ends, it can dismiss this spell on itself to roll an additional d20 and choose which of the d20s to use. This is not concentration. No, it's not. That's so fantastic. this is a free legendary resistance to re-roll. So if the Lich rolled a nat 1 on a spell save, and it has this on it, you can just re... It's a free luck point for the Lich. Pretty much, yeah. It's, it's a free legal luck point. magic for a Lich. Not only that, but if there are friends in there, he can upcast it. If you use... And this is a second level spell. If you use a third level or higher, you can target one additional creature for each slot above the second. So if you use a higher level spell, and uh, let's see here. It is not ritual, though. So it cannot be used as a ritual. But if you have multiple creatures in here, high-level creatures that you want to give a luck point to, free luck point for a third-level spell slot. Exactly. To the Lich and one other creature. That is just Detect Thoughts. I then swapped Scrying with Temporal Shunt. Okay. Fifth-level spell, and it's a range of 120 feet. So oh even if the Sorcerer is like from a, a distance, this'll work. You target the triggering creature, and this is a like a counter. This has a duration so of one a round. It's a, so it's a reaction spell? Time, one reaction, taken when a creature you can see makes an attack roll or starts to cast a spell. Starts to cast a spell, not cast a spell, starts to. So as soon as a player is like, I would like to cast haste. Right before you cast haste, you target the triggering creature, which must succeed on a wisdom saving throw, DC 20, or vanish. Mm -hmm. being thrown into another point in time and causing the attack to miss or the spell to be wasted. At the start of its next turn, the target reappears where it was or in the close unoccupied space. The target doesn't remember you casting the spell or being affected by it. And you can target more creatures with an upcast. So <laughs> this, basically, someone's walking in. I would like to counterspell Temporal Shunt. You just disappear entirely. Yeah. It's a counterspell that then removes them for the round. And it's a counterspell that doesn't require you to have to then roll your own counterspell to see if you do what you need to do. You're casting a ninth level <clears throat> spell? I'm going to cast Temporal Shunt. Yes, it's a fifth level spell, but I don't need to roll for it. You just disappear for one round because it says to another point in time at the start of its next turn. Exactly. So can't be interacted with, can't help anybody. If you was trying to cast haste on the fighter and it gets temporal shunted, it's out for one full round of combat. Yes, can't be hurt, but it also can't be there to save its friends. And it can't be there as you run away if it's right in front of you. Because mm -hmm. this works for attacks as well. Exactly. So that was the fifth level. I then replaced the ninth level spell with what I think is the most terrifying concept for a lich to use. No power world word kill. Time Ravage. Time Ravage. Ninth level spell, Explorer's Guide to Wild Mount. Components. Uh, it's a 90-foot range. It requires an hourglass filled with diamond dust worth at least 5,000 gold pieces, which the spell consumes, which you do know a lich totally has. Oh, yeah. Easily. It's an instantaneous thing. You target a creature you can see within range, putting its physical form through the devastation of rapid aging. The target must make a constitution saving throw, taking 10d12 necrotic damage on a failed save or half as much on a successful one. If the save fails, the target also ages to the point where it only has 30 days left before it dies of old age. Oh no. In this age state, the target has disadvantage on attack rolls, ability checks, and saving throws, and its walking speed is halved. Only the wish spell or the greater restoration cast with a ninth level spell slot can end these effects and restore the target to its previous age. This may not be a meteor swarm, but if you want as a lich to say a final F you before the party destroys you or before you leave, you target someone who as a, a lich, you have a good idea of who has a good con save or not just mm -hmm. based on fighting them. You target someone with a poor con save, or if you had added bestow curse 
and you had built up the whole idea that you give them disadvantage on con saving throws, you can literally age them to like old. This works on elves. This works on dwarves. This works on humans. No matter what, they only have 30 days left to live and they are a shriveled prune. It's a scary spell. May not be useful in the fight at the moment, but if played the cards right, which as a spellcaster, that is the whole game. My only issue with that is the party that's going up against this lich is going to have ninth level magic. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have... saying the lich isn't the one who invented the spell. Exactly. And if you've got some more temporal... You've got another temporal bounce around in your back pocket. Someone goes to counterspell it, temporal bounce them. Exactly. I cast time ravage. Someone casts counterspell. I temporal bounce you. My spell hits. Welcome you to need a to make a con-, con save with disadvantage. And this weakens you so bad that you have 30 days left to live. Now, the party after living after this lich has to go on a quest to de-age their party member. Mm-hmm. If they don't have the wish spell. And if they do have the wish spell, the wish spell is its own damn thing. Yeah, that could screw them so badly. There's so much damage you could do with a wish spell. Now, with this lich, the lich doesn't have inherently any magical items on it. But in the flavor, a lich usually, because it is an old being, it will have its little treasure room full of things. This lich has an iron flask, which it has an ally inside of. Specifically with this one, the resurrectionist, because he has just basically done everything out of spite for the way things are. I've made his phylactery a, a tombstone because that's how just huber, like just egoniacal he has for himself. This iron flask has an enrine inside of it because fallen he angel, would. he would. So you're dealing with a lich and an enrine in the same combat. That's not gonna be fun for anybody. And this is a time wizard, so he is focusing on temporal shunt and time ravage being his his back pocket move because as as a dungeon master, you want to sometimes surprise your players. And not all players are aware of time ravage. And when you say time ravage without saying what it does, doesn't it just evoke fear in you? Oh, it does. So you're going to want to counter that. You're going to want to waste the ninth level. You're going to want to do something in response to this that will throw your party off so much that just the mere fear tactic you use here will put them on the defensive. So that's what I did to the Lich. Yeah. No, we both made some pretty scary freaking Liches. Um, you definitely want the more creative, the more make a theme, fit the theme, where I just went, this is your generic a better version of the Moss Emanuel generic lich. Mine's spooky. I'm f***ing terrified of yours. <laughs> Let's so, time melt away just your very being. So so I think you definitely, definitely take the, uh, that's the lich at the end of this dungeon. He <laughs> <laughs> Now, with all this in mind, you have seen two separate ideas. One where you back up the mechanics of the book and another where you just take the book and then throw it on top of itself with its own kind of flavors. And these are, both of these ways are completely valid and you are free to use these to your own whims. But now you can understand how you can take a concept of a lich and you can make it better for your own purposes. So, yeah. We have a lich. We have an edited lich. Whether it's got the amalgamation between the two of these liches, we shall decide later. But where are we going to encounter this final boss? Exactly. As you heard in the last one, we built the lich. Now we need to build his rooms. Exactly. Now we are going to go from the place that the lich will be encountered. The party will go through an entire dungeon or an entire experience to get to the lich where it is encountered. So we are basically starting at the back of the dungeon to build around the boss and what the boss would have in this area. So shall we roll a d20 and see who goes first? Yes, we shall. I got a five. Eleven! I'm staying fairly average. So... 
Uh, we are going to start with the second to last room and then go to the last room because encountering this lich would be you fight it and then it's going to try and flee because it's all about preserving its own life. A lich has spent eternity preserving its own life. Why the f*** would it not run away when it exactly. thinks it's about to die? The phylactery factory. This room carved out of the the very earth around it because the idea for this is this isn't a graveyard mm -hmm. and it is using the elements of the graveyard to its advantage so it has put itself underneath a mausoleum and in this area it has its phylactery a headstone very magically created headstone that is very defensible in its own right it takes magical items or some other thing to destroy it whether or not it can be destroyed with a hammer it is up to you, but the Lich will defend its phylactery with its life. Surrounding the phylactery is a magical circle full of runes and incantations, full of things to help the Lich in this area harvest people to put it into its phylactery. This magical circle gives it two abilities it can do once in the combat. And this is a part of its lair. Whether or not it replaces its lair actions or not, we can decide. But one of them it can summon 2d4 wraiths. Wraiths okay. are scary. They are CR5. However, if their ability pops off, it's not a very high DC ability, but it does create adds in the room, which the party will then have to take care of on top of fighting the Lich, which at this point, the Lich isn't going balls to the wall. The Lich is playing with them. It's not using its high-level spells. It's using its cantrips. It's using its spells to help it survive this encounter, but not just destroy the party. It's toying with them. The wraiths and possibly the iron flask, unless it keeps the iron flask in its back pocket for when it's actually terrified. The yeah. wraiths have an ability which make them just deadly on their own at a certain level. CR5, they have an armor class of 13, 67 hit points, fly speed of 60, um, they have resistances to acid, cold, fire, lightning, thunder, bludgeoning, piercing, slashing from non-magical weapons that aren't silvered. They are immune to necrotic and poison. They are immune to charmed, exhausted, grappled, paralyzed, petrified, pro poisoned, prone, and restrained because they are ghosts. They can move through other creatures and objects as if they were difficult terrain, taking a D10 force damage if it ends its turn in there. Sunlight sensitivity, it's not in the sun. It's underground. It's under a mausoleum. It's actions our life drain. This is what they're going to be using. It's a melee weapon attack, plus six to hit. Reach five, because it's just grabbing on. It deals 4d8 plus three necrotic damage, DC 14 constitution saving throw, or the target's hit point maximum is reduced by the damage they took. And they regain that back on a long rest. You, oh. are, you are second to last room in the dungeon. Yeah. The lich is in here. You are not getting a short rest. If you get a short rest, it's because your dungeon master is nice and says short rests are 30 minutes, 15 to 30 minutes, because you're just patching yourselves up and taking a breather. The book says a short rest is four hours. You are basically fighting the secondary boss room. And if you are unfortunate enough to roll lower than a 14 constitution saving throw at what, 17 or higher levels, your hit points are reduced by 48 plus three. And there are 2d4 possibilities for raids in this room. And that's why I made it only a one-time uh -oh. effect in here. Because yeah. you have the, possibi the possibility of eight wraiths. At 17th level, you will happily be able to take care of two wraiths a person. But getting any of your hit point maximum reduced hurts like the dickens. Oh, yeah. And then, if it so happens that the lich decides, I'm going to kill a person in here, and then add their soul in here. The, the, or rather, the wraith gets the opportunity to kill someone. They then create a specter. The wraith targets a humanoid within 10 feet of it that has been dead for no longer than one minute and died violently. If you're dying in this room, you're dying violently. Yeah. The target's spirit rises as a specter, which is its own stat block, in, the, in an unoccupied space. The specter is under the wraith's control. The wraith can only have, it can have no more than seven specters, but the likelihood that the entire party is going to be turned into specters, very low in this room unless the the lich is True. like i'm going to kill everyone right now okay kermit the lich is terrifying never do that again <laughs> i have been dead for centuries i used miss piggy's soul to become immortal 
Yeah, I'm sure that's all he used Miss Piggy's soul and corpse for. And Fozzie and Gonzo. Oh, gods. They're in the next room. Come. Come and join them. Um, that's just the first ability. The second ability is because this is a time <laughs> lich, it gets a one-time use of time stop to escape. Time stop is a ninth level spell, but oh, it gives you three turns to do whatever you want that can't affect any of your surroundings. You can't attack anyone. You can't cast a spell at anyone. Basically, you can only buff yourself or run away with time stop, which makes me a little upset, which is why it, that's a ninth level spell. Well, remember, you can always use time stop and you can always use um, delayed fireball, delayed blast fireball. And I wish they had more delayed blank spells that would warrant time stop being a ninth level spell right okay i'm not going to use delayed blast fireball i'm going to use delayed lightning bolt or delayed other spell and i'm going to time stop walk over and set all this up and then walk away time stop ends kaboom but this lich is not built specifically for setting up like traps for time no, stop this it this lich time is stop to using run. time to get away yeah so time just when it deems that if the phylactery has been destroyed or the party has just gotten to the point where they're overwhelming the lich and the lich needs time to recoup or open the iron flask so an enrine can come out or get into its treasure room, which is the last room it can be in, the mm -hmm. party would not even notice what happens. It's just they look at the lich, they blink, it's gone. Exactly. And there's a doorway where it left through. It has three turns to heal or prepare itself for them to go in there. The treasure room, it's not as fancy as the last room. The treasure room basically has all the treasure and you can roll two times on table H, one time on table I, five times on table G, and six times on table E in the Dungeon Master's Guide to figure out what mm -hmm. magical items are in here. The Lich would go back in here to grab one of these magical items because also you would pre-roll these items if you're running this dungeon, so you would know what's in there. If any of them require attunement, the Lich can be attuned to some of them. He wouldn't carry them on his person in that next room, but he could go back in here, and it's now full force. This Lich is holding exactly. like a, a, a Vorpal Sword or a Nine Live Stealer, or it's wielding some <laughs> item. <laughs> oh, Lich with a Vorpal Sword. Say less, mon ami. <laughs> <laughs> I am a spellcaster, but I have a little pointy stick instantly decapitate everyone else okay we're gonna leave now yeah that's right you walk out bye i'm gonna make another the ultimate get off my lawn <laughs> grabs onto the end of the vorpal sword here's the clicking of a shotgun and then points it at them with no fingers left <laughs> get off my lawn i'm taking your dead friend's fingers why does this lich suddenly live in florida <laughs> The ultimate Florida man. <laughs> <laughs> Did I mention the treasure room has a gator pit? <laughs> and welcome to what it's like to actually play at one of our tables. We will go sideways so quickly. <laughs> you encounter this evil and dastardly being. The hell you're doing over here? <laughs> You've entered the lair of the elder bean and you hear... <laughs> Angry banjos begun. Oh, we have to get out of here. What? What's what's going on? The banjos have started. We need to run. It's already too late if we've heard the banjos. Uh, the treasure room, in this sense, with all of these magical items in here as well, poses one final cameo, or not cameo, but gimmick, or one final trick that this lich can do. Make a deal. Beg for its life. You guys, please leave. I will give you this legendary item if you leave me alone. The party at this point will either be very battered from the last room or very strong. And they can see just how desperate to live the Lich is. This is more flavor context than it is actual like gameplay. Because if this is with a party that we're going to be running, the likelihood that this party is just going to walk out and leave the Lich alive, very low. But yeah. if you're using this in a more roleplay situation where you have a party of role players, this adds an interesting question. What are the implications of leaving this lich alive? That, that legendary item, really cool. But that lich is really bad. So that, that plays out to how I designed the phylactery factory and the treasure room. 
Right. So my design again of the Flattery Factory is kind of messing with mechanics, but also keeping it generic enough that it can be placed anywhere. So I started with a, in my mind, a 100 by 65 foot room. And in the middle, let's say the middle by 25 by 40, right? Okay. Is the phylactery factory itself. And it's this construct of machines mixed with magical glass. Google, because this is what I did, was Google steampunk chemistry sets. And so you've got these really cool like glass beakers and flasks and stuff with this brass and bronze accent mark, right? Right. And you combine it to this giant, you know, and then you just ratchet up to a giant scale. So you have this massive central glass and bronze construction with buttresses sticking off the side and connecting to other ones and tubes and wirings and electricity flying around the air. Because, you know, I guess in my mind, I started in this room is where I kind of started like the whole Dr. Frankenstein idea of it. So that's kind of where I went with the theme. Excellent. And around it is this moat of black liquid with a smoke floating across the top. Well, that liquid, if you step in that liquid, you make a con save, DC 20. You're slowed for one minute, so you cut your speed in half. Ooh, and you only get one action, bonus or action. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I messed with the layer actions and I gave it a new layer action on initiative step 10. Okay, so you gave so it initiative a... step 20. You still have your roll d8, but I changed it to roll two d10s and regain a combined number of spell slots. So you can save it in that in your back pocket for later in the session for later in the fight. It's a one-time use. But right. you roll two d10s and you add the number together. Okay. So let's so... say you roll a four and a six. So you have a 10. Okay. You regain a combined total of 10 level spell slots. So you could regain a level nine so and a level one. Or you could regain like two, two and five. eight. Do two level fives, three level twos and a level four. Whatever you need, you can kind of use it then. And it's a one time use. I kept the tether the same as it was because that's actually a really good mechanic. That's what I thought that was a really good layer action. And then I also changed the last layer action from, because liches always need to keep themselves alive uh, to where it calls forth these spirits, but then all damage those spirits do. And I allowed to attack multiple targets at the same time. Instead of one creature can target up to three. Right. Uh, half of the damage they do gets healed by the Lich. Okay. So the Lich is using them as a life siphoner. Okay. Keep so it, alive. So the the layer actions it has in here are self-preservation sensed. Exactly. So either I'm tethering. Because I went a little bit more taking off my damage. And yeah. I'm healing myself because I went a little bit more offensive in a spell list. Right. Now, on initiative step 10. Okay. Remember that smoke floating across the liquid? So this is more of a lair effect. Mm-hmm. It billows out. It increases its size by ten by five feet on an issue step ten every round. So it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Oh. Now the longer they're in here. If you are in the smoke and you are not an undead creature, you take off of a con you take just flat, 10 necrotic damage. Okay. Just 10 damage. That's enough for like a, a con save to make sure you're still keeping your concentration on your spells. Exactly. But then you also have to make a con save. DC 20. Or be blinded until you exit the smoke. Oh. Undead can see through the smoke with no hindrance, and the smoke obscures the area. Okay. So your lich can hide in the smoke. It could also hide in the smoke due to true sight. Right. It could also hide in the smoke because it has true sight. But if it uses its animate dead spell because the liquid is full of corpses. Ah. His friends can hide in the smoke. Or if it's your lich and he summons his wraiths. 
they can hide in the smoke. Excellent. I like this. I like this whole contraption here. Very Frankenstein. Is there anything else that this does? Uh, no, that's all it does. It's it, The smoke is more to be an, an annoying thing for the party to have to work around than it to actually, like, mess the party up. So if this is, as you call the phylactery factory, where's the phylactery? The phylactery is within those pillars. So the central pillar, if you break the glass inside, is a crystal suspended in the liquid. Okay. And that crystal, which is a uh, quartz crystal that has been corrupted, so most quartz appears clear or rose quartz. There's a couple different colors of quartz, but there is not a true black quartz. So it's black Ooh. all the way through, and that crystal is the phylactery. The party has to destroy it. Okay. So they'll destroy the whole like contraption, Lich escapes to the next room, something along those exactly. lines. Yeah. Does and then the smoke... we can work out hardness and toughness points for all of the factory pieces later. Right. Does the smoke stop if the machine is destroyed? No. So if the glass is broken, because that's just a container for the phylactery, right? The phylactery, exactly. So the party will be like, oh, we got we to gotta stop the smoke. So they will waste their actions breaking the thing. And it does nothing. Does nothing at all. Ooh. Evil! <laughs> <laughs> well, that is the name of the game. Indeed. Be evil. I love I love your phylactery factory. I, I, I say we definitely go with that because that's just oh aesthetic. Oh, it was fun. It was fun to design that. So the room where the final encounter happens, which is the treasure room. Again, kind of sticking with the Frankenstein theme is you know scientists are like super organized or not organized at all speaking right. of someone who studied chemistry in college like we're either really on it or we're not on it at all but in our minds we are <laughs> exactly so you're walking into a very well organized treasure room with whatever items you roll on those tables okay um, but it is skinned to look very much like, you know, a laboratory. Right. At least in my mind is how I designed it. I didn't really put any additional mechanics here except for basically a fairly large healing vial for the Lich to drink. So mm -hmm. the highest level healing potion and three pearls of power that the Lich can use to regain some spell slots after they lose spell slots after the... Um, the phylactery factory goes up. Ah, okay. Now, do the lair actions continue in this room, or is it no, just in the phylactery? No, it is just the lair actions are only in the phylactery factory because they are powered by the phylactery. Okay, excellent. I like that. That's why I felt okay making them a little bit more powerful. Right. Because once he leaves that room, he can no longer use his lair actions. Right. So, what would the condition be in this room for him to to leave? For him to leave this room to go into the phylactery? For for him to leave the the phylactery room to go into this room, the Pearls of Power? Yeah. If they destroy the phylactery and he needs, you know, and he's low on health, low on resources, and needs those back quickly. So if the phylactery is destroyed, the lair actions end? Exactly. Okay, so the fog doesn't end, but the lair actions end. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Because the, the fog is generated off of the moat of the phylactery factory. Right, okay. And all the dead bodies floating in there are just the byproduct. Exactly. So this room where the final fight would happen is just, okay, I've got the safe. Grab the gun. Reload. Okay. Exactly. We're going to hold out here. It is last stand moment. If you want to throw a last stand, you know, destroy, you know, bring the, bring the dungeon down on their heads thing. You can do that. That's pretty easy to do. You know, a, a dead man switch. Right. A dead lich switch, I guess, in this case. because Dead lich switch. Man. Because a Lich is already technically dead. Right. But, yeah, I, I didn't put a whole lot of thought into additional mechanics in the treasure room just because the Phylactery Factory is such a damaging room and the Lich is all, the version of my Lich is already such a powerhouse, powerhouse. puncher. 
Exactly. So that whereas... he doesn't need a lot of additional help in here. Maybe he's got corpses in here that he can animate skeletons or ghouls or something he can create. You know, right. He can use create undead. Mm -hmm. But past that, doesn't really need much else. So whereas my lich in the phylactery factory toys with everyone, yours is straight up just pulling all the stops. Would he use Meteor Swarm in this room or in the, the last stand He would room? use Meteor Swarm in the last stand room. He'd be holding on to his ninth, ninth level for, okay, I'm almost down. I'm going to try to bring them down before me. And after they've taken a ton of damage from the phylactery and layer effects and everything else. Okay. Okay, I dig. I dig. I dig that. I like because this. he's 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 pissed and now he wants to turn one of the, you know, PC's skulls into his new phylactery. I'm going to take your skull and I'm going to go inside of it. Brings a whole new meaning to uh, one of early Ermy's lines from a full metal jacket. I'm going to gouge out your eyes and we're going to leave the quote there. And I'm going <laughs> to until you're. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So that was the, the Lich encounter in the both part one and part two of these rooms. Uh, these, this has given us quite a bit to work with in terms of what we're going to be throwing at our party for all of your enjoyment. Exactly. I think that we've covered that, unless there's any last thoughts you want to cover. No, no. I think we've covered quite a lot, um, especially for this episode. We've got... A lot of good information in this one. Um, next one is we're going to be talking about some of the other rooms of the dungeon. And then, you know, deep diving a little bit more on some things and talking some more about some creatures that we think uh, we think Watsi needs to give a little bit more love to at the end of the day. And so should you as DMs. Exactly. And we'll be talking about one of these in the next episode. And should we give a little sneak peek as to what they should expect? It really doesn't like fire. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the second episode of the Drunken Dragon Turtle podcast. We sure did cover quite a bit about our liches and what we did to them. If you are curious about our fantastic musician, you can check her out at Molly Elaine Music on Instagram. Or if you're more familiar with TikTok, you can find her at Molly Elaine Music. You can do us a great service by leaving us a review and a rating, as that greatly helps us reach a further audience who will probably enjoy it as much as you did. And as always, dear listener, you are always welcome at the Drunken Dragon Turtle. So feel free to take a seat, enjoy your time here, and we will see you on the next time around.